over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. So, anyways, set us up. What happened with Michael Todd and and and, and Michael Todd? If you don't know, he's a very big, famous, young and famous pastor with a big church in Tulsa. Yeah. So basically, um, I came across a video. Uh, I follow several Christian YouTubers, yeah, influencers, and they were talking about um, the whole issue of speaking tongues. It was a conversation between. One influencer who was Pentecostal, who believed in speaking in tongues, and then another influencer who was who didn't believe in speaking in tongues, but was very theological. You could tell he probably has like a maybe a master's or a doctorate in theology, somewhat sound theological. You know, went to school for it. And these are influential people. I mean, they're eight hundred thousand followers. Another one had like six hundred thousand followers, and the whole topic. Was about speaking in tongues. Well, well, let me just back up. It was about Michael Todd said in his sermon. Are you going there? Go Are you going to go there? Okay, he's going to go there. He's going to go there. He's going to go there. So the whole, the whole, the whole, um, the whole thing started with um, the guy who speak, who the guy who believes in speaking tongues um, had um, had created, had made a video. Name? You want to call names? Yeah, we're going to call you out today. Uh, I'm not gonna bash anybody though. Yeah, let's not bash. Yeah, we're not gonna not. bash anybody. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna call you out, and we're even gonna hashtag it in the comments and everything. So yeah, this will come up in that algorithm. So, <laughs> uh, a Christian brother, Marcus Rogers, um, that's his name. I think he's. Is he pastor a church? I don't think he passes a church. But he's a big influencer. He's a big on influencer. On yeah, real Christian influencer and all that. Um, so he had created a video, I believe. Um, not. Not against, but um, correcting Michael Todd's teaching on the whole concept of speaking in tongues. Um, so in response to that, Michael Todd didn't respond to anything. I think he had a series a couple of months ago about the Holy Spirit and he was teaching. Obviously, he got to the part of speaking in tongues and he had a perspective that this Christian brother did not necessarily agree with. So he created a video. And in response to that, another Christian brother, the other one, by the say- name of Alan Parr. Are you going to say what he said? Um, because the way I understood it, yeah. Now I heard it secondhand. I heard it secondhand, but the way I understood it is Michael Todd in his series started talking about the Holy Ghost, and from what I understand, it correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. He said that Jude, the book of Jude, verse twenty, when it says, "But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost." And for what I heard, I didn't hear it myself, so, you know, but what I heard is Michael Todd said that that doesn't mean speaking in tongues. So that was Alan Parr. Oh, Alan Parr said yeah. that. Oh, Michael Todd didn't say no, that. Not, 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 not. Oh, so why was Marcus correcting Michael Todd? Like, what did Michael Todd say that 
Marcus is correcting because Michael Todd, uh, for my, he, he is charismatic Pentecostal, right? Yeah. I, I assume he is because he got that church, the transformations. He got it. It was another name. What was it? What was it? Um, it has some other name. Yeah, I don't remember the name. And that was Bishop Gary McIntosh's church, who got it from Carlton Pearson. Used to be Carlton Pearson's Carlton church, Pearson's New Dimensions. So it was New Dimensions, Carlton Pearson's church, who was on the board of ORU. Carlton Pearson's was the, the president of Azusa uh, movement. It was He was one of the biggest personalities in the charismatic Christian church in America, right here in Tulsa. Yeah. He got into heresy. He began to preach false doctrine and, and got into like LGBT type pro LGBT unit universalism, lost his church. Gary McIntosh took over and he was the assistant pastor. He was the associate assistant pastor. Okay. So, and he went and opened another church and obviously all the people that were there went ahead and followed him and they built a great ministry in North Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. And then he left it and, and sold it and gave it to Michael Todd. Yeah. And Todd uh, developed this uh, transformations, and he's a young guy. I believe in his thirties, young guy. And so now he's doing this. He's very popular. Uh, at some point, he became very popular. Not sure what happened or how. And now he's teaching this series on the Holy Spirit. And this guy Marcus Rogers, yeah, doesn't agree doesn't for some reason. And I'm not sure what he said that they didn't agree with. But this is how this is how all these rumblings, mm -hmm. and this is why this is all viral online now. Yeah. Uh, so, did you do you know exactly what he was saying about? Um, not exactly. Okay. So I don't put words to it. But Marcus yeah. Rogers was trying to correct Mike Todd. publicly, Mike Todd. Yeah. And Mike Todd didn't respond. Yeah. But Alan Parr, who was also who's also an influential um, YouTuber, he's the one who responded, and they had a, responded to Marcus exactly. Responded to so Michael. he said, Michael, Todd won't pick a fight with you, but I'm anti-Holy Ghost, so let me jump on this, Pretty, right? I, I guess you can put it that way. Yeah. Um, and they had a dialogue. I, I actually appreciate the fact that I think it's important to, when two people with two belief systems or two beliefs regarding a particular area of the scripture sit down and have a, it was a pretty interesting dialogue. And that's what I was sharing with you, that um, it appeared that Marcus Rogers, I think he has a Pentecostal background, so he was very passionate and enthusiastic about what he believed, but didn't necessarily have a theological defense to it because he he and that's why. So when you're arguing, you debate with someone who has a theological background, he knows the scriptures, he knows how to break down the scriptures. You you kind of seem like you you don't know what you're talking about because they can, you know, they can explain. Explain what they believe a lot better with scripture with a scripture mm -hmm. background than Marcus Rogers. So I thought it would be interesting to um, bring out the whole debate again, in a sense, but to bring in defense of speaking in tongues yeah. a more um, systematic, obviously very theological approach to it, in defense to it, you know. And I, the certain scriptures I want us to to look at that I know Marcus Rogers used, but that, that they weren't necessary. He didn't necessarily explain them correctly. So when the other guy was listening, it was very easy for him to just debunk every scripture and just, you know. Jump all over him. Jump all over him. Well, according much. to my boy, Alex Pagani. And he had, funny, that Alex Pagani created the video in response to 
the debate. According to my boy Alice Pagani, and once again, I didn't hear myself, but very well known social media influencer, pastor, influential pastor under Bishop Tudor Bismarck, Apostle Alex Pagani in the Bronx. He said Marcus Garvey had his lunch ate. He was taken to school and slapped up and down the theology tree. That's what I heard. Well, look at what TV said. So, Speaking in tongues is not evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's oh, that's what he said. Oh, well, I would. That, thank you. Thank you, TD. Okay, good. That, 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 I like that. I like that because I would agree with Mike Todd on that. Now, in the assemblies of God, so, so now, if I was in debate with this uh, Baptist guy, whatever, par, I'd whoop him up and down that, that theology tree. And I, 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 you know, he probably, if he heard this, he would think I just want to get some of his followers to watch me. But, you know, who cares? You know, uh, I don't care about that. But I would whoop him up and down the theology tree because, you know, God bless you, Marcus Rogers. But, you know, you, you have to have a little bit. And I don't, I'm not trying to diss you. I don't know you. I'm definitely not dissing Michael Todd. Two weeks ago, he gave away $7 million donated. I own a building. One of the people who rents from me uh, just lost her husband. One of the pastors that rent from me lost her husband. Michael Todd gave each kid 20 G's, gave her the wife 100 G's, gave the church 50 G's. I, I want to talk about him if he was a seven-day Adventist. <laughs> what a good man. What a good man. But but I don't I don't disagree with what Mike Todd said. So Mike Todd's what he said was speaking in tongues is not the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. I, I agree with that 100%. And before you UPC guys get pissed off at me, let me let me just explain that, okay? Uh, okay. But should I explain that now? I, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself because there's so much to say in this. I think but, but if I was in this debate, you'd have no chance, you know, unless you just yelled and talked over me, you know? I think also the fact it's it's good it's good to talk about why we're bringing this topic up because yeah. sometimes some people might just think we're jumping on this. It's clickbait just because it's clickbait. But I think one of the we talk about this a lot of times that one of the biggest issues um, that I believe America is facing is that people haven't been trained in doctrine, and you know doctrine is so important. You, you read the scriptures; Paul emphasizes to Timothy to you know, to study the doctrine, preach the doctrines of Christ. Yeah. And I think America has missed that. That's why there's so much error. Any error we see in the body of Christ is an error first in doctrine. Well, I mean, can I just mm -hmm. add to that? Uh, the the Pentec I think, you know, we just have to define it better. Mm -hmm. America hasn't missed it. The Pentecostals have missed it. Pentecostals, because the, the, you know, the, the non-Pentecostal non camps have emphasized doctrine exactly. to their demise right. because the letter killeth. You know, so they've emphasized to the demise, but the Pentecostals have not emphasized it. Oh. Now, of course, not you, because you come from, you know, he's from he, a graduate of Oral Roberts University. They emphasize, you know, higher education for the spirit-filled men, you know. So obviously not his camp, but in majority of the Pentecostals have not known the word of God. Yeah. They have known emotionalism, emotional preaching, gifts, demonstrations, entertainment, encouragement, but they haven't known doctrine. They haven't known theology, you know. Yeah. So, 
So I, I just kind of qualify that. And it's also good to say just because we're emphasizing, emphasizing on doctrine, it's not doesn't mean we don't emphasize on the spirit, right? It's yeah. the spirit and the word coming together. And that's so important to recognize. So this whole issue of speaking in tongues, I think... It, so many people are so divided across the board regarding the issue. So it's good to establish, I guess, and we talked about it and you, you alluded to something that I really liked, establish from the book, from obviously the life of Jesus, what Jesus said about it. And then also we can look at the Old Testament scriptures about speaking tongues because they are there. And then the life of Jesus and then the book of Acts specifically, the early church. And what also probably what Paul, because Paul obviously establishes a lot of, teaching around this area and then perhaps we can debunk all the lies that are going around so yeah amen let's get started so and there's so much to say on all this you know i actually wrote a book on the holy spirit it's not finished yet or published but i have a book i'm about six chapters into it so there's a lot i can say and i and, and when i'm overseas i lecture on this subject for like you know i'll do like a three days eight hours per day so there's a lot to say on the subject, but let me just start off right with what Mike Todd said. He says, speaking in tongues is not evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. Now, for, like I said, those UPC guys, you know, you know, in the doctrine of the assemblies of God, in their doctrine, their statement of faith, it says that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's in the Church of God doctrine. Church of God, statement of faith, speaking in tongues is the evidence that you received the Holy Spirit. I had taught, since I got saved in 97, that speaking in tongues was the initial evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I was basically introduced to, to Christ through a, a classic Pentecostal worldview. And so if you look at the Bible uh, in the New Testament... There's many accounts, some would say every account, but many accounts that when they were filled with the Spirit, you always see this initial evidence. They spoke with tongues. So that's where that comes from. But as I actually went way beyond tongues, I, I, and tongues to me is rude, rude, you know, rudimentary. Is that how you say it? Rudimentary. rudimentary. You know, for, and, I, and, I, and I don't know if we'll have time to teach it tonight, but tongues is 101. That's like as soon as you get born again, you should immediately start speaking in tongues. As soon as you're born again, every person on planet Earth, you should immediately ask for the Holy Spirit to start speaking in tongues as soon as you're born again. And that's the first step that opens up the rest of the gifts of the Spirit. So to me, that's like, that's like you know, baby goober, Gerber, Gerber food tongues, okay? You know, so once I began to go past that, and into, into the greater depths of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, I realized that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit can be visions, can be, uh, you know, crying and rolling and laughing and shaking and uh, shouting and running. All those things could be manifestations of the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, one thing I got in trouble for in Mongolia is when I was laying hands on people and they were being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, demons started coming out of people. So they would get filled with the Holy Spirit and then demons would come out of them. And they start screaming and growling and rolling on the floor getting delivered. And the, the news media in the Mongolia, 
uh, put a clip of me preaching, and they said, a Castillo pastor is turning our people into zombies. Everyone he touches turns into a zombie. Because from a non-religious mind, if I put my hand on somewhere, they start going, ah! They're thinking that I, I'm making them zombies. That's what it looks like to the same. So they thought I was making people zombies. So I get into China, and I want our church to join the major denom denominational church there. There's the Beijing International Christian Fellowship. They're the big church for all the churches. And I tried to join them. And they said, and they, they brought me in this room with the leaders of the church. And this, and this one Anglican leader who's on the board of, of the church, he says, well, we don't think we can let you on our ministry, let you join our ministry and give you legal covering here in China. I said, why? He said, because you believe that the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues is, is the proof that someone's received the Holy Spirit. I said, no. <laughs> I said, that's what I believed 20 years ago. Now I know better. He said, then what's the evidence of someone receiving the Holy Spirit? I said, not just tongues, but laughing, crying, screaming, shouting, running, demons coming out, rolling on the floor. He said, Ooh. he almost dropped dead in the middle of the meeting. I shocked the Anglican to death. Sure. He, he he, he thought he was going to like push the envelope with me by saying like, you believe tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, no, tongues, prophesy, shout, yell. But yeah. I mean, when the Holy Ghost comes on somebody, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, so we don't call them necessarily manifestations of the Spirit, but we could call them reactions to the Spirit. How do the people's soul react? How do their bodies react? What What level? Of the power of, I mean, the Holy Spirit is fully God. So how much of, of, of the Holy Spirit are they encountering? You know, I mean, those are all in degrees. I've known people that get touched by the Holy Spirit and they couldn't get up for six hours. One of the ladies in my church, she, my pastor, one of my pastors prayed for her. One of my mentors, Edgar Bailey, prayed for her. She was knocked out in the power of God. Speaking in tongues for six hours, could not get up, could not speak English for six hours. So, I mean, there's there's a large, you know, there's a there's a large variable of what kind of manifestations could happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, no, I wouldn't say that speaking in tongues is the only evidence you have the Holy Spirit, but I would say speaking in tongues is guaranteed one of the abilities that you do get. When you receive the Holy Spirit. So number one, speaking in tongues is an ability that you do get when you receive the Holy Spirit. There might be other evidences. There might be screaming, shouting, crying, falling, rolling, laughing. But at the end of the day, you receive divine ability to speak in a heavenly language. So number one, it is, one of, it is an ability that you do get, but it might not be the only evidence. I've had people that I've laid hands on. And they just started laughing, 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 laughing. And when they got home at night, laid down on the bed, they were still laughing. And then all of a sudden, after an, you know, an hour or so laughing, they start speaking in tongues. So the initial evidence that we saw was, 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 was of them being filled was this laughing and this joy. People, other people crying. I hear people crying. Like I said, demons coming out. I mean, there's a wide, there's a vast, you know, a vast amount of things that can happen when, when somebody encounters the divine. Imagine your flesh, your physical body is encountering divinity. There's, 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 there's all kinds of reactions that can happen. But at the end of the day, you receive divine ability to pray in tongues. And where do we get that from? Well, we get that from the Bible. I mean, we get it all from the Bible, you know. 
All of this is scriptural. You know, we could take a look at Acts chapter 2. But let me just say um, to Mike Todd, speaking in tongues is not the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. This, this, that statement agitates and angers, you know, so many people on both sides of the, of the cab. Really, it's like a, it's like a hot button for the Baptist. Are you going to tell me I don't have the Holy Spirit? Because I don't speak in tongues. Are you going to tell me I don't have the Holy Spirit? That's what they always say. Are you going to tell me Billy Graham don't have the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just tell you, Billy Graham speaks in tongues. Billy Graham was on the show with my pastor, Lester Summerall, and he told him, Lester, I speak in tongues too. He spoke in tongues, but he didn't He didn't emphasize that in his ministry, but he did speak in tongues. So I wouldn't say Billy Graham, but they always, people, Baptists always say, are you going to say so-and-so about the Holy Spirit? Are you going to say Tony Evans will have the Holy Spirit? Are you going to say Billy Graham will have the Holy Spirit? Are you going to say John MacArthur will have the Holy Spirit because he don't speak in tongues? No. You have the Holy Spirit when you're born again, dummy. I mean, it's very clear in Scripture. When you're born again, you're born from above. You're born from the Spirit of God. So you get the Holy Spirit when you're born again. But having the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit are two different things. And I'll prove it to you in Scripture. Let me get your Bible. Get your Bible out. Do you know where I'm going to go with this? Do you want to go with it or should I go with it? No, go ahead. Turn your, turn your Bible, if you have a Bible, turn to, I believe it's in John, maybe John 21, let's see, I think it's, yeah, John 21, is it John 21, or is it Matthew, let me check Matthew, when Jesus walks into, uh, well, it's definitely in Mark, well, let's go to Mark, I know it's in Mark, turn to Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15. And I, I didn't prepare any notes. Like I know these guys on their podcast, they probably had the thesauruses out and they had their dictionaries and they had all their notes out. I don't have no notes. All I have is a Bible on my app. Amen. But, you know, you know, you shouldn't have to have a bunch of notes to know the word of God. Amen. This is something that I learned 20 years ago. This is baby milk. Amen. Mark chapter 15. Is this, or 16, 16, 16. Yeah, it's chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Is it 16? Where is it when Jesus comes in and says, put your finger into my, in, your finger into the, into the side, into the, my side, into my hands? I thought it was right in uh well definitely it's in man. Just give me a couple of seconds to pull it up because I didn't have any notes for this. Amen. Uh, is it Luke? Yeah, yeah, Luke. There it is. Luke. Okay, here it is. Yeah, Luke chapter twenty four, verse thirty six. No, that's not the verse. And that's bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh. You know what? It'd be fascist to run with my Bible just to Google it. Put your finger in my side. John 20. 
Okay. John 20. Yep. Okay. Okay, watch this. John 20, verse 19. Now, it's important for you to understand here in John chapter 20, this is before the book of Acts. The book of Acts takes place kind of chapter one at the very last words that Jesus tells his disciples. So this, if you read John chapter 20, and then you read to 21, you get to the same places about Acts. John 21 would be Acts chapter one, where Jesus gives his last words to them, so on, and then he's taken out of their way. So this is before Acts, it's before the day of Pentecost, is before the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and all the apostles and in all the 120 in the upper room. This is before that. Okay. So look here at John 20. Verse 24. Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I see his hands and the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. And after eight days, again his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. So he walked through the wall. And he stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now this is very interesting, because he just walked through the wall. So how could Thomas touch a ghost? So Jesus, has, in his resurrected state, had an ability to move through walls, yet was still flesh and blood that he could be touched. That's interesting. Number two is what's interesting, is that Jesus, in the earlier verse that I was, I was looking at right now, even when I was scrolling through my Bible to give you this verse, Jesus told Mary and Martha, don't touch me. You cannot touch me because I have not yet risen to my father. But here Jesus is saying, you could touch me. Why? Because between that day and this day, Jesus had arisen to the father. He had taken his blood, sprinkled it on the mercy seat, cleansed the heavenly utensils according to Hebrews, and now has come back and said, now you can touch me. Now watch here, verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God, and Jesus saying unto him, oh, let me just say this. Every time that a, an apostle or a disciple or a person ever called an angel, my God or my Lord, they were immediately rebuked. Jesus did not rebuke Thomas because Jesus is God. So you see that here as a proof. You can show that to any Jehovah Witness in John chapter 20, verse 29. So verse 28, he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He accepts that praise as God. And Jesus says to him, Thomas, 
Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples, which are written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Verse 32, 22. Yeah, let's, let's go up to 22 real quick. Let's, 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 let's go there. Yeah. Amen. Verse 22, right before that, before he walks into that room, That's before. Yeah, but then, yeah, but I've just read here 26 where he said, reach your finger in. So I'm saying before that. Just go up to verse 19 real quick. It says, in the same day and the same evening that being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And Jesus stood in the midst of them, came through the door again, and said, peace be unto you. And when he said so, he showed them his hands and his side, then were the disciples glad and saw that it was the Lord and said Jesus to them. Now, here's the point. Here's the point here. Watch what Jesus says. Verse 21. He says, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, so I send you. And, he, and when he said this, watch this. It says that he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now this is John 20. This is not Acts 2. This is not the day of Pentecost. So a Christian, these were the first people. People say the birth of the church was Acts 2. I humbly disagree. I believe this is the birth of the church. Because what is the church? The church is the ecclesia. The church is the called out ones. The church is the new men. 1 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The new created man is humanity mixed with divinity. The new created man, 2 Corinthians 5.17, is when divinity, the Holy Spirit, comes into the human spirit and they create a new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creature. The reason why the King James says creature is because it's a species of being. A species of being that had never existed before on the planet Earth. From Adam unto these disciples, these, these ten. Because Thomas wasn't there, right? Thomas comes in the room a couple verses later. So maybe these 10, you know, were here. Does it say how many were in that room there? Yeah, because Judas killed himself, yeah, and died, you know, so forth, killed himself, and then Thomas wasn't there. So these 10, at least 10, I mean, maybe 10, maybe 10, at the most, I should say at the most 10. And in John chapter 20, verse 22, these 10 were the first people, the first new creation of the first species of being of people that were human spirits were united with the Holy Spirit. They were a new creature. The earth had never seen this before. The earth had saw Adam and the seeds of Adam. They had saw now Jesus Christ, which was, which was, you know, he, he didn't have a human spirit. He had, he was, you know, he had a human body, but in spirit, he was God. 
But now these 10 disciples had received the Holy Spirit. They were born again. This is what Jesus prophesied to Nicodemus. He said in John chapter 3, Except a man be born of the Spirit and of water, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the born-again experience. These were the first people born again. They received the Holy Spirit. So yes, my Baptist friend, yes, my you know, Calvinist friend, yes, when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, let me take it farther. When you receive Jesus, you literally don't receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Who Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. When you receive Jesus, you're not receiving Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you're receiving Jesus' payment for you on the cross. You're receiving his forgiveness. You're receiving his grace. You're receiving his promises. But what you're actually receiving in your physical body and in your spirit is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away because I'm going to send the comforter in my father's name. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. So you have the Holy Spirit when you had confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You received the Holy Spirit. So Mike Todd is correct. You do not have to speak in tongues to be born again. To be born again in, in the very meaning of born again means that the Holy Spirit has regenerated your spirit. The Holy Spirit has come in you. But if you receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what, then you receive the ability to speak in tongues. But the evidence of that baptism and filling could be shouting, could be crying, could be joy, and it actually could be nothing. You can pray for the Holy Spirit, believe God to fill with the Holy Spirit, believe by faith, and have no feelings, no emotions, no crying, no shouting, no laughing. You just believe it by faith. And then we say, all right, now open your mouth and just begin to speak out, and God will give you the words to say. And you don't feel anything, but you just you, you believe what the Word of God says about it, because the Bible says... That if you, everyone that asks shall receive, he that seeks shall find, he that knocks it shall be open. The, the Bible says, I think it's in John, is it, is it Luke 4? It's Luke 4. Let me just, let me take you there real quick. Luke 4. Is it, yeah, I believe it's Luke 4. Or, yeah, Luke 4. Or is it a Luke 11? Maybe it's Luke 11. You know the verse. The verse says, Knock and it shall be open, seek and you shall find. I'm rusty. Is it Luke? Is it Luke? Matthew. Matthew 11? I, I remember it correlates. Is it Matthew 4? No, it's definitely not Matthew 7. It might be Matthew 11. It's Matthew 7? That's one of them. It's also in Luke. Luke. Yeah, I knew it was in Luke 11. Yeah, it's in Luke 2. Thank you. Thank you. Good. See, the Lord sent you here. Luke 11. You said Luke 11, 19? No, no. It would be Luke. 
nine. Yeah, okay, let's go there real quick. I like the Luke when Matthew says it too. But everyone has heard this, this scripture before. Seek, you shall find. Right, Andrew? Yes, sir. Everyone's heard that. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened. You know, everyone knows this verse. But what people don't realize is this verse is talking about the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Luke 11, verse 5. It says, and he said to them, which one of you shall have a friend? And you should go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey and he comes to me and so forth. So this is the story. Verse 9 says, ask, it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. So earlier on, I don't want to read it all for the sake of time. But earlier on, he says, if you just keep knocking, keep knocking, your friend will give it to you. And then in Luke verse 9, he says, ask and you shall get. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be open to you. But all this is about, all the way from 9, or where we started, was that 9? Or, you know, yeah, yeah. all of that verses, all the way down, all the way down, all those verses about seeking, finding, keep on knocking, asking, all of that is about the Holy Spirit. We've used it for answer prayers. We've used it for, uh, I mean, we've used it for like your car, for your mortgage. We use it for your girlfriend, for you get a wife. We've used it for everything. But actually, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, it says, in the, he, comment, he finishes this message by saying, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So this whole teaching is about the Holy Spirit. So if you ask for the Holy Spirit, He will definitely fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that filling can be laughing, crying, shouting, whatever. But the scripture promises us that you have the ability to speak in tongues when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a power baptism. And it says, and let me just take it real fast. Luke 24. If you're watching this, could you please write in the comments, power baptism. Power baptism. Is it Luke 24? You should be endued with power from on high. Yeah. Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49, the very last. We, we can read from verse 46. Luke 24, 46 says this. And Jesus said to them, this is the very last chapter. This would be like basically Acts chapter 1, okay? And a matter of fact, Luke wrote Acts. And so Luke is finishing this chapter, then he begins to write Acts chapter 1. Here in verse 46, it says, He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins or the remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. But behold, look at this, behold, I send the promise of my Father in you, no. He says, I send the promise of my Father upon you. These people were already had the Holy Spirit in them. He already breathed in them. He already said, Thomas, put your finger into my hands. He put your finger into my side. He breathed them. They already received the Holy Spirit. So why is he promising them a second Holy Spirit? Is it a different Holy Spirit? Or is it a second grace? Is it something 
another gifting and empowering by the Spirit. He says, I'm going to send you the promise of my Father upon you. It was already in them because he breathed into them. But now he's going to send something upon them. What's he going to send upon them? He says right here, tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Exactly from Acts 1.8. Tarry you, turn to Acts 1.8 real quick. Yeah, might as well just look at it. It's exact same words written by the same guy. Verse 8, Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come in you. No, it was already in them, upon you. The word endued that he just used in, in Luke the last chapter of Luke was Luke 24. The word endued means to be clothed or to put on. Overshadowed. Overshadowed. What? Power. So the Holy Spirit had come in them. They were born again. But now they were going to be clothed with, overshadowed with what? Jesus said, the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. What, what about the Holy Spirit different from what they already have? He said, this Holy Spirit is a power baptism. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It, in dunamis, in the Strong's Concordance, literally is defined as miracle working ability. And this is what it says in the Strong's. I'm going to quote it for you because I memorized it 20 years ago. Miracle working ability. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you right here. From I have I have the Strong's Concordance right here in my, in my Bible. I know it by heart, but I, I don't want you to think I'm making this up. Okay? Power. Dunamis. Here we go. Specifically, miracle power. Now, here's what it says. This is my favorite part. Usually, by implication, a miracle in itself. In other words, when that power comes upon you, that you, that 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 even in that moment, a miracle will happen. What miracle? Shandadabakonabasata. Uh, you, the Holy Ghost will give you a new language. The Holy Ghost might knock you on the floor. You might faint. The Holy Ghost might bring you into a trance and you go into a vision. The Holy Ghost might might may, may come upon, might give you laughter and rolling and screaming and shout. You might take off running. You might you might lay in, under the power of God, passed out for six hours. Some kind of miracle itself will happen at the time of arrival. So if you're going to tell me that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and you don't perform miracles, the deaf don't see in your services, the blind don't hear in your services, not only in my services can the, can the, can the deaf see and the blind hear. Yeah, did did you catch that? <laughs> that's a miracle in itself. <laughs> Hallelujah. But if you don't have miracles, signs, and wonders, the ability to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, Normally, regularly, not like once on a mission trip 35 years ago. I mean, this is this is power that God puts upon you when you receive the promise of the Father upon you. We're talking about the upon experience, not the within experience. Everyone who, who confesses Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, and repents of their sins will receive not Jesus, but they'll receive the Holy Spirit in them. But that same Holy Spirit that's in them wants to come upon them with a clothing of power, an overshadowing, an endowment of power. And the, that power in, comes with an initial miracle. 
in its definition, right in the Greek definition of that power is a miracle happening at the moment of instantly receiving it. And then not only that, but it goes on to continue in the Greek dunamis, the ability of abundance to become a miracle worker. Every tongue-talking Christian is a miracle worker. Every tongue-talking Christian is a miracle worker. Why? Because that's what the package is. That's the endowment of power. Is the ability to do miracles, to perform cures, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. And if you have not been endued with power, if you haven't got that initial evidence of speaking in tongues, you're way beyond, way behind. And it's silly to, that you're even at the point where you're debating whether tongues is for you or not. You're so far behind spiritually. That is sad. And we get caught in all these semantics. When you receive the endowment of power from on high, you receive miracle working ability. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit in your heart. That happens when you're born again. Everyone has that. You know? But how many people in the local Lutheran church, Presbyterian church, you know, Baptist church, how many do people do you see coming out of wheelchairs, blind eyes opening up, deaf ears? It doesn't happen in the services because there's no endowment of power. But you get to a Pentecostal church, those miracles happen because there's an endowment of power. And Jesus said, if you don't believe me, believe me for the work's sake. Believe me for the miracle's sake. And we thought we're going to just theologize the nations into believing in Christ. Get that junk out of here. You know what the, the Vietnamese told me? Because I'm an apostle to the, you know, and that might hang people up there. I say I'm a bishop. I'm a bishop to, to the nations, to specifically to Asia region. And I was with, with the, the preaching to a church with 30,000 members in their church in Vietnam, 30,000 members. And they said that in the 90s, the gospel came here in the 80s and 90s, and miracles were happening. The blind eyes were opening up. Deaf ears were opening up. People were getting coming out of wheelchairs and cancer. Tumors were dissolving, and miracles were happening. And the church of Vietnam began to explode. We were having great revival in Vietnam. It was exploding the underground church, and pastors were getting their fingers cut off, and they were being killed by the police for, 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 for preaching Christ. And we were having revival. And I said, what happened? He said, I don't know. He said, the Americans came in and they began to teach us uh, theology and they opened up Bible schools in the 90s. And then all the miracles just stopped. And I looked at that pastor. I said, I'll tell you what happened. They came in with dead theology and the spirit of God was grieved. And, the, and they began to emphasize theology over the power of God. And the power of God was pushed out through all these theological seminaries and trainings and, you know, all that stuff. If you only have theology, you will dry up dead. If you only have Holy Ghost, Pentecostalism, miracles, signs and wonders then you'll blow up and get into some kind of crazy error and doctrine. But you have to have both. Jesus not only had demonstration of the truth, but he was the truth. He had demonstration and he had theology. This is a few comments I have. What do you want to say about that? 
No, that's I mean that's amazing. You covered it. Come on in, come on in. I think you got a coffee here. I I asked my son to bring a coffee for for Andrew, but I don't know if he. I don't know. I saw him at the door there. Well, but tell them what that 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 potential real quick. What that? Oh, okay. Um, the scripture that you were reading, Luke twenty four, um, forty nine. Um, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. The word power, like Bishop was talking about, is miracle working ability in a sense. But, um, you know, in the Greek, unlike English, you know, we have many, many different words. Power, power them, is different. Power is different. Yeah, power right is different yeah. compared, you know, the four words for power. I mean, we all know this year Pentecostal, you probably heard a pastor preach this. But the word used there is dunamis. Uh, it actually means dynamite power, which is inherent power. And to break that down, that means you receive inherent power. So it's, it's, it's potential energy. Doesn't make sense. It's inherent. That means it's yeah. within you. It resides in you. It's potential energy. And most of the time, um, you have power. It's potential, potential energy is power at a static state. Right, mm -hmm. it's not dynamic. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. right? It's dynamic so, and it's working. It's dynamic. It's but if it's, working. you're not working, it, then it's static. Yeah. yeah. So you have to you have to work it for it to become dynamic, yes. right? And one of the ways that we're speaking of the gift, the gifts again, right? When you when you receive the Holy Spirit, what you receive also is the language of the Spirit, and that's like the dynamo. The best way to put it is um, when you. I went to school for chemistry, so one one of the things you mine when you go to mining, you mine crude oil. Crude oil in it, in its own state is useless. Does that make sense? It's useless. Yes. Crude oil is useless, but within crude oil are all the different types of oils we need to you know to run society. I mean, for airplanes, um, kerosene, diesel, yeah. petrol, they're all within crude oil. But when you want to extract those, you have to put the crude oil under um, intense pressure and heat called fractional distillation, right? So at a certain energy point, certain oils come out. So maybe at 200 degrees, you get diesel. At 300 mm. degrees, you get petrol. At, you know, at a higher temperature, you get, you know, a different type of oil. And it's similar to the whole, to, to the... Oil of the spirit. The oil of the spirit, right? Yeah. The power that he's talking about, dynamite, inherent power. So when you exercise it by speaking in tongues, because that's the only gift that we're given that we have authority over. The other gifts in the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says the manifestation. As he wills. As he's, uh, the manifestation yeah. of the spirit, you know, he, 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 he manifests these gifts as he wills. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. You can conjure it up, but the only gift that we're given that we can exercise by our own will is the gift of speaking in tongues, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that I will speak in tongues. He says, I will pray in the spirit. I will sing in the spirit. I will, does it make sense? You can exercise that particular gift of the spirit by your own will. So when you start yeah, doing says, it, I will, pray I will pray in my known language uh -huh. and I, I will, will pray, pray in, in my tongues. Yeah, so he, he was will. very clear that it was by his will. By his will. He said, I will sing in my own language and I will sing, sing in tongues. Exactly. He will do both. 
out of his own will. Out of his own will. And then he says, you should pray in tongues. Yep. You know, and he said, I pray in tongues more More than than you you. all. Mm -hmm. And then he says, forbid not speaking Speaking in in tongues. tongues. Exactly. But everyone's like, oh, but there's no interpreter. There's no interpreter. So they're going to violate one scripture to fulfill another scripture. They're going to forbid to speak in tongues to justify a scripture that says that uh, have an interpreter. They're going to violate when Paul says forbid not. They're going to violate that word of God so they can try to fulfill another word of God. Well, first of all, they're trying to fulfill a word of God what they had no understanding about. The Bible does not say you must have an interpreter. No, it does not. It doesn't say that. You can take a look at it. I, I, I had a Baptist on my board. Because I believe in working with Catholics, Catholics, Catholics and Baptists, and I work yeah, with anybody in Christ. Christ. And I had on my board of directors, I had a Baptist guy from Fuller Theological Seminary. And I sat down and reread what he thought he was a master of, you know. I reread him First Corinthians 14, and I just changed my 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 antonation. What do you call it? Uh, My tonation. I just changed my tonation to where the proper tone emphasis should be. And he said, I never seen that chapter in my life like this (laughs) because they would, would, you know, the ones who preach against it, just put tones in the wrong places and totally misinterpret the scripture. I think while you're at the one, one clear distinction that I think people need to understand is the difference between um, speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues. Yeah, that's and a whole other teaching. Just so you know, those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues are two different things. Right, because people confuse that. So they say yeah. when you speak in tongues, you need an, an interpreter. But that's speaking in tongues by will, exercising your spirit. And, and, and this guy, what's his name? Park, whatever it was. Uh, Alan Parr. Alan Parr. You, ha- you don't even know what we believe about tongues. You have no idea what we believe about tongues. You don't even know that there's two types of tongues. You just, you know, are so ignorant and choose to be ignorant of these things. And when I was at that church and the guy said, do you believe that tongues is the spirit evidence? And I said, no, you can roll the floor, laugh, shout, mm-hmm. cry, freak them out. I said, hey, how about this? I have my Donald Gee uh, theology book on Pentecostal theology. Mm-hmm. Why don't you learn Pentecostal theology before you bash it? Yeah. Let's sit down. Let's go for a coffee and let's learn Pentecostal theology. And then you can criticize as much as you mm-hmm. want, but you don't even know our theology. And he said, no, nah, I don't have time for that. I said, what? You're going to sit here and criticize us? And you don't even have time to believe what, you know, what <laughs> this, this side of the fence, brother, there's, 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 a, there's a, you know, there's a lot of grass on this side. And you don't even understand, you don't, you don't even have a clue where it begins. Yeah. I think there's a lot of attack on this issue of speaking in tongues because it, it, what's interesting is the, the gospel advances by power. Paul yeah. says that um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And if the scripture, I think you you alluded to it in Psalms chapter 110, when he talks about David prophetically speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Then he says, my, my people shall be willing in the day of his power. In other words, when God's power shows up, people are willing to get saved. Yeah. Right? And so... But the the only way a Christian gets to power primarily is by exercising their spirit by speaking tongues. So it says building yourself up. So you build your spirit by speaking tongues. So if people, if, if, I think Satan is strategically attacking this issue of speaking tongues because it 
breeds weak Christians. Yeah. Christians are not effective if they're not speaking in tongues, right? Yeah. So if Christians are not effective, the gospel is not advancing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to, to really have an understanding of what the potentials that are available when you speak in tongues. Yeah. There, there must be a reason why Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He spoke to a whole region, mm -hmm. you know. So I think speaking in tongues is essential for yeah. spiritual growth. It's essential to walk in the miraculous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you ask essential. anybody who does walk in the miraculous, who walks in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they will tell you. Everyone I've met in my life that are miracle workers mm -hmm. and great signs and wonders, unbelievable signs and wonders. I say, what's the secret? They say, I pray in tongues all day long. Every one of them. Everyone I've met. How about you? Same. Yeah. I don't know any, any theological dude out there who is against tongues that walks in the gifts of the spirit and, and walks in the power, power dimension. Yeah. I don't know any. None. None. Yeah. Except for maybe Bob Larson. I don't know if he speaks in tongues. But he casts out <laughs> devils. Let me just say, uh, I need to do a whole session on just, yeah. just 1 Corinthians 14. I think I just need to teach verse by verse by verse just that chapter because there's so much in there that people are just Pentecostal charismatic people don't they don't even know. They don't even know. And and I don't understand it because we have the same Bible, but but what happens is they they read it with the lenses that they've been given. Mm -hmm. So they read it with these filters on, and so they totally if you just like me, I was a gangbanger. You know, my mother was a drug dealer. My father was a drug dealer. My dad was shot and killed. My mother died of AIDS. I was a gangbanger. And I opened up this Bible and read it as a gangbanger. And so to me, it says what it says, period. That's it. And that's the truth. But to people that come from religious backgrounds, they read it with these religious filters on. And that's the problem. Yeah. If you read it without the religious filters and you just read here that everyone should prophesy, everyone should speak in tongues. With no filter, that's what it says. That's what it means. Everyone should do these things, you know. But we have all these filters and been fed so much uh, false teachings that those are in the back of our mind. They say you are what you eat, but that's not true. You are what you digest. You are what you digest. And unless you digest these truths, they'll never make sense to you. Until the light comes on, they'll never be truths to you. And they're just like... This is like background noise to you. You read the verses, and, and I say, what did you just read? I don't know. It's background noise. So I'm going to do a whole session with you guys just on this chapter. But please explain to them that there's two different tongues. Sure. We can read it. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, obviously, we all know this chapter on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'll start reading from verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let now, me just say, the reason we're having this discussion is because of verse 1. God said very specifically, I don't want you ignorant of these things. Yeah. Yet, most of the church is ignorant of these things. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay. From verse number four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. 
There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. Now, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, now this is very important, take note here. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, right there, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All right? Yeah. So just take note of that. To, to one is given different types of tongues, which is, I think that's different kinds of tongues. Different types of tongues, as exactly yeah. as it is. That doesn't mean various languages. And here's another shocker. Acts chapter 2, first of all, it's false teaching that tongues is given so we could preach the gospel to foreign lands. That's false teaching. Tongues was not given to preach the gospel to foreign lands. Matter of fact, tongues is not even human language. Take a look at chapter 13, verse 1. Paul says, I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Tongues is an angel tongue. Tongues, speaking in tongues is angel language. It's angelic language. It's heavenly language. Tongues is not an earthly language, dummies. It's not Hebrew. You know how many idiots I've met when because I lived in China and they come off the plane from America, you know. Oh, I think I have a Chinese tongue. Shut up, and then the Chinese people just look at them like, you know, like, what's this, you know? And the Chinese always say, uh, Timbu Dong, Timbu Dong. That means I don't understand you. So many people, they, when they go to Israel, I do, I lead tours to Jerusalem, and they, they walk up to Jews and they speak in tongues, and they think that the, the Jewish people uh, are going to understand them because they think their tongue is Hebrew. Tongues are not human languages. Why do people believe that? Because they haven't read the Bible without religious filter. Acts chapter 2, they were not speaking the languages of the people that were around them. In Acts chapter 2, they were speaking the heavenly angelic tongue. Acts chapter 2 verse 4, what happened there was two miracles Number one, they were speaking in angelic language. Number two, everybody heard them all speaking in their own language. That's impossible. How can that be? Now listen. I just, I just, I just saw something while you're talking about that. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because Acts chapter 2 was a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit we just read about. But what's interesting is the unbeliever operated in the gift because for them to hear, yes. there had to be a, a measure of interpretation because they weren't necessarily speaking their language. Yes. They were speaking in tongues of yeah. angels, but yeah. the unbeliever had to have the gift of interpretation to hear them in their own language as God wills. And that's what was interesting yeah. is all the gifts that we're talking about, the, the gift of diverse types of tongues and the gifts of the interpretation of tongues is by the will of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. 
right? So if not a church, gift to be exercised yeah, by the person, not the gift to be exercised by the person. Yeah. It happens by the Holy Spirit. That's why you you probably. I just got something too. Mm -hmm. Got something too. You got to hear this too. Come on, this is good. We he just read that one of the gifts is the interpretation of tongues. So if it's if you need a gift to interpret it, mm -hmm. that means it's not a human language. That's good. Because if it's a human language, you don't need a, a supernatural gift of interpretation. Yeah. You just need to find someone who speaks that language. So for there even needing to be an interpreter proves the fact it's not a human language. Right there in so itself. Good. So good. So I've never seen that before. Yeah. I just got that right now, mm -hmm. you know. But the point is, in Acts chapter 2, it says that all the people from all the countries, it lists all their countries, it says that they heard all of those people speaking their language. If you went to Times Square and say, for example, you're watching us and you're from the Ukraine, and you went to Times Square and you heard someone speaking Ukrainian, would that shock you that there happens to be another person at Times Square at Christmas time that speaks your language? This was the Jewish feast. People had come from all over the world. There were people speaking their languages everywhere mm -hmm. they went. That's right. That wouldn't shock them. They would say, oh, there's some more Jews here. Oh, there's mm -hmm. some more Germans here. Oh, I guess there's some yeah. more Arabs. Those, mm -hmm. those guys must be Algerian. Yeah. It wouldn't shock them that there were other people that spoke their language around there. Right. What shocked them is that they all could hear their That's own right. language so at the same time. So this person speaking and one guy's here in Hebrew, one guy's yeah. here in German, one guy's here in Swiss, and they all understand him. That was the miracle. It was the miracle of not only of them speaking in an angelic tongue, which the Bible tells us it's a tongue of angels, mm -hmm. but that they also were able to hear it in their own human language. That's it. And they said they were shocked and they couldn't believe it. And they were astonished, the Bible says. You wouldn't be astonished because you met someone who spoke Spanish. This is Tulsa. Everyone, a lot of people speak Spanish. I met, you know, I met Russians here. I've met Ethiopians here. If I saw someone speaking Ethiopian, I wouldn't be surprised there's Ethiopians here in Tulsa. But I'd be shocked if someone was speaking Ethiopian and he could understand. That's what happened in Acts 2. They were not speaking foreign languages. What a miracle. It, for, tongues is not the ability to speak a foreign language for missionary purposes. Tongues is for the purpose of the missionary. So the missionary can build up his faith. So the missionary can build up his weaknesses. So the missionary can build up his most holy faith, yeah. praying in the Holy Ghost. Tongues is for you. And that's why Paul said in 14, Paul said 14, don't get up in service just praying in tongues because tongues are not for them. They're for you. If you do that, make sure it's the gift operating so someone can interpret so you may edify the body. Yeah. So if it was a foreign language, why would you need to have an interpreter? If it was a foreign language, you know, why would you get up and then why would he encourage you not to get up and just give a tongue? Tongues is an angelic language. Now, there are diverse tongues. So what does that mean? That means is that God can give you the ability to speak in a foreign language as the Spirit wills. But you can't just do that as your own will. Your own will. Because all of these gifts don't have all 12. He says as, says, as he wills, as he wills. So, you know, you could be, I've been praying in tongues before. 
And I've had many experiences where people heard, heard me speaking in English. And I was not speaking English. I was speaking in tongues, but they heard English. Why? It's the interpretation of tongues. So good. So you see, this is this is way beyond the elementary debate of whether tongues are true or not with these guys. We're way beyond that, my friends. There's one guy, he came to my church. His name is Ian Stearns and from New Mexico. And I just uh, I just felt to pray for him. I said, can I pray for you? So, yeah. I put my hands in his belly, and I just, just I, said, I didn't know what to pray for, so I started praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't that sound scriptural? The Bible says, for we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself will make intercession for us mm-hmm. in groanings that cannot be uttered. Yeah. That's Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26 all you non-tongue-talking people, please read it. Romans eight twenty six. And I want to I want to comment on that. Scripture. We know not what to pray for, mm-hmm. so the Spirit will pray for us. I want to comment on that scripture yes. because. Um, and then I'll and, tell a testimony uh, after him. In the debate, um, Marcus Watt just tried to use this scripture in defense of speaking in tongues. Yeah. And Alan Parr's um, response to that is that within that scripture, there is no there's actually no mention of speaking tongues. Right, so if we read it, <laughs> it's funny. If we read it, it says, "Likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered." So, from that context of that scripture, it doesn't say he speaks in tongues through us, or doesn't make sense. Or the spirit speaks in tongues; it just says he. Makes it doesn't groanings. say the words speak in tongues. Exactly. Yeah. So he was he was arguing that you cannot. Um, use the scripture necessarily to make a defense for speaking in tongues because no. there's no mention of glossolalia tongues, right? So, I don't know. What would you say to that? Well, it says intercession. Intercession is prayer. So, likewise, we know not what to pray for as we are. In other words, we don't know in the human language what to pray. So, the Spirit himself makes intercession. And then, so you get caught up on the groanings. What's his name? Park something? Par. Par. You get caught up in the groanings. Let's just forget about the groanings. You don't know what to pray for in your own language, in your own mind. That's what it says. So the Spirit himself will make intercession for you. The Holy Spirit's intercession is what tongues is. Tongues, speaking in tongues is not a human language. It's the Holy Spirit's intercession. So it doesn't say the word speak in tongues. It gives you the the very definition of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit's intercession. That's what that is. So in verse 26, it literally says speak in tongues. It literally says the Holy Spirit. You don't know what to pray for in English or in in this case, maybe Greek or Hebrew. You don't know what to pray for, Paul says. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, we know not what to pray for. Let me, let me read it exactly how it says. Because actually says, likewise, the Spirit, that's Holy Spirit, helps our weaknesses, our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So in our mind, in our languages, we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit will do the praying. That's what tongues is. The Spirit makes intercession. So the Spirit will make the prayers for you. When you're speaking in tongues, that's what's happening. 
The Holy Spirit is making the prayers for you. He's praying through you. So this 26 is exactly the definition of praying in tongues. The Spirit makes prayers for you. So I didn't know what to pray for. The God said, pray for him in my spirit. I didn't know what to pray for. So what did I do? I obeyed the scripture. I let the spirit make intercession for me. I said, I let the spirit make intercession for me. And I was praying and I was praying and I was praying. I was waiting for an interpretation. I had no interpretation. And I felt kind of stupid. It was very awkward. Everyone's looking at me. And I just sat down and we ended the Bible study. And I thought, well, that was a kind of uncomfortable. And I just forgot about it and I moved on. So the next day, I, he comes to my house for dinner. I make spaghetti and meatballs, and I had him over for dinner. And he said, man, Pastor Joey, he's real soft-spoken. Matter of fact, I, if you go to YouTube, this video, this testimony is on my YouTube. He is telling the testimony on my YouTube channel. He's on there telling it. He says, man, Pastor Joey, he said, last night, I'm just shocked how you knew about my father and about my dream. I said, what? He said, yeah, like, I never, how did you know my dream? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you, the nightmare that I had that day, when you called me up to pray for me, you said that you, you called out my dream and you explained my dream to me. And then you told me that my father in the dream was, was attacking my brother and that I got up and I attacked my father. And you said that the interpretation is, is that if I break free from my generational curses, that it will also set my brother free and my family will be delivered. If I will stand in my faith and I will live for Christ, my whole family will be delivered. He said, how did you know my dream? The interpretation really has touched me so deeply. How did you know my dream? And I said, <laughs> what? I wanted to say, what in the, what, what the H-E double hockey stick? What are you talking about? I said, I didn't say anything yesterday. I just, I didn't know what to say, actually. It was very awkward. I just spoke in tongues. He said, no, you told me my whole dream and interpreted it for me. And I said, brother. I said, honey, honey, come here, honey. I called my wife in. She said, yeah. She comes in the room. I said, honey, what did I say last night? She said, what do you mean? I said, when I laid hands on him, what did I say? She said, you didn't say anything. You just prayed and then let, let, prayed in tongues. That was it. And he looked at me. He said, are you mad playing with me? I said, I swear to God. And the Bible says you should have swear to God. I said, I swear to God. He said, whoa. I said, do you hear that, honey? Mm -hmm. Everything I said in tongues, the spirit made intercession through me. He heard it all in English. And it was the entire dream that he had had and the interpretation of the dream. That's what we're doing, Mr. Parr. I don't know what you're doing with your, with your nice YouTube videos. I mean, you got that down. That's great. But we're following in the supernatural power of God. And you can either get on board and experience the ride of your life, or you can sit there and 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 be on the outskirts of yeah. the depths of the manifestations of God's power and glory in these last days. I don't know about you, but I want the power of God. I don't want to be married to some false human doctrines passed down by a bunch of big heads. Yeah. With PhDs in there under their name. But how about we get some Holy Ghost PhDs. Well, I'm a doctor of divinity, but you know, and you know what I'm saying. It's important to know that God cannot be explained. Mm -hmm. It can only be revealed. So that's obviously I go to a Christian university, so you you 
you meet people. Isn't it most people who have a PhD or who have like a higher education in theology really don't walk in the things of God? They can teach them well, but they don't really experience them. God is to be experienced. When when Acts chapter ten, when Peter went to Cornelius's house, mm-hmm. um, Bible says that you know while he yet spake, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The next chapter, when he's back explaining to the other apostles what happened, he says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them as it did upon us in the beginning. In other words, the mm. same way the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2 was the same way he fell upon the household of Cornelius. So what Peter is saying is the same way we experienced him, he's referencing the actual experience because he was there to witness it. The same way we experienced him was the same way the house of Cornelius experienced him. Peter didn't write a manual doesn't yeah. make sense. There wasn't like really any, um, oh, this is how you experience the Holy Spirit. You have to enter into the reality, come and taste and see that the Lord is good, yeah. right? Yeah. So it, you, it's hard to, and that's it's funny because even between the conversation with Marcus Rogers and Alan Parr, uh, in the beginning, Marcus Rogers says when he was talking to him before the video, he, the first question I asked him, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, no. Have you ever spoken in tongues? He said, no. So, and then Marcus Rogers was like, yep, it, it makes sense. Because if you've never experienced it, it's going to be hard for you to, yeah. you're going to dabble in reasoning. But until you come into this reality, yeah. right? Yeah. When the Bible says when the, when the Spirit of God comes, he will lead you into all truth, all reality, yeah. right? It becomes real to you. Until you've experienced it, you can your mind is trying to grab, take a hold of something that's far beyond the natural. You never, that's why your mind fails. You start reasoning it out and you say it's not real, it's not true. But I mean, go to a Holy Ghost service, get filled with the Holy Spirit, your life will change. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. that's been the testimony of every Christian. Every Sunday we come here, people come, we're touching the meeting or you know, even like you, brother, you were touched in the meeting. You encounter the Holy Spirit instantly, your life is strained. Because transformation can only happen by the Holy Spirit, not yeah. by reasoning. That's why a lot of theologians have a lot of knowledge. Knowledge pops up. Paul said, knowledge pops up. You become prideful without, when you know too much, unless the presence of the Holy Spirit is there to humble you, you become prideful and you never really walk into that reality. But if you encounter the Spirit of God, life changes. I mean, everything changes. God becomes real to you. He makes the presence of Jesus real. Or else Jesus would just be a theological argument to you or a historical figure. But when the Spirit of God comes, he says, when he shall come, he will not speak of himself, but he will speak of me. He will testify of me. So it's important to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Many Christians believe that the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Bible. But the Trinity... That's good. That's, (laughs) That's good. And they worship the Bible. That's good. But it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's the Spirit of God that has to lead you into these, these truths. Wow. Especially if you come from a, 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 you know, a, a background where you've been taught one thing. So then you're reading the Word of God with, the, with a, a religious filter. Yes. Yeah. You know? Remember, it was religion that killed Jesus. Yeah. Good. And there's, there's, there's religion on both sides of the fence, yeah. actually, that are really barring us from yes. the fullness of Christ. True. So we'll come back and we'll teach uh, First Corinthians because there's there's so much more to say, yeah. so much more to say. Line upon line. So yeah, I mean we'll come back and we'll talk about a lot more things, but really what's needed because there's several things we didn't even co- cover no. that are very important. 
But what, one thing we will cover is this First Corinthians uh, chapter 14. We'll, we'll, we'll do that one line upon line, but there's a lot of other stuff. We really have to talk about this subject mm-hmm. because I assumed, you know, I just assumed people knew things and people really are, are, are Bible illiterate. And what they know, they know from YouTube. Well, look, you better open up your Bible and start reading the word of God yourself. The, the proof of knowledge is exercising what you know. Yeah. You know, so you, you don't know something until you live it and you exercise it or else it's just a story, you know. Yeah. Um, the gospel is not in word only. It's in, it's in power. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. You know, so it's important. It's to- in power. Yeah. Power, not just in word. Mm-hmm. And Paul said that he had fully preached the gospel yes. with signs, wonders. wonders. Yeah. And he says the preaching and teaching should not be by the words of man's wisdom. Mm-hmm. He said in First Corinthians, but in the power and the demonstration. How many? That would cut all the theologians. That first part. If 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 we, you know, if we pull people's credentials and pull them off YouTube and pull them off TV, if they didn't have any miracles, we would lose a large portion of today's ministers. Yeah. But that was the qualification for ministry in the Bible: signs, wonders, miracles. miracles. You know, holiness, you know, godliness and demonstration. I think, Bishop, uh, as much as we kind of were just this is this brought this topic is from our own personal conversation, just me asking you questions around this subject. But I think I I keep telling you, I I think there has to be an emphasis on teaching these things. You know, it it just so appears that my generation, I, I mean, People in their 20s don't know any of this. They have no doctrinal background, no no word in them. Like they're so tossed to and for the like arguments like like we were talking about, yeah. is this right or not? So they're not established. They're not establishing the truth. And the Bible says you have to be establishing the truth. If this kind of environment continues for 10, 15 years, we lose the essence of it. We're already losing it, to be honest. We're you know, we're losing that faith that yeah. was transferred to our fathers. We, young people read about... I think I'm, I need to pinch myself. Yeah. Like I'm sleeping, you know, like, I can't believe it. Yeah. I thought the things that I'm talking about is like baby food for everybody else. And no, actually, this is like unheard of revelation. It's unheard of revelation. <laughs> you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Just the whole, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all that is unheard of. Wow. But that is so, so essential. And it, in, in 10 years, if people, if we don't stand to preach the truth boldly, content for the faith, like Jude said, we lose it. If the kids in your Sunday school are not speaking in tongues and prophesying and laying hands on each other and healing their boo-boos, if, if that's not happening in your Sunday school, you're raising a generation that will not know God. Yeah. And there arose a generation that did not know God. We read about that in, in what happened with Joseph yeah. in Pharaoh. So it's important to to teach this and pass on these biblical truths. It's so essential. While we're here, while we're yet alive, it's so important to make sure that we train our generation in the things of the Spirit, in the things of God, yeah. in the Word of God, in truth, in accurate doctrine. So I, I just, I'm excited. I mean, that you'll get to teach more about it because you guys, if you guys don't know, Bishop is loaded. You know, so I'm excited. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, we love you guys. If we don't have any questions in the group, we'll uh, we'll maybe click. Let me give me this. Give me the little white remote there, so I can click around there. But uh, we have some French here. I can't read it because my French is not that good. My teacher did not teach me that well. 
Since pas me la maman et Michael, moi je suis ton ami de l'église du pasteur Daniel de Palo, église de la maison Laval Québec. Um, I understand some of it. Love the church and Pastor Daniel de Palo, the church in Quebec. But the says pas moi. I, Mama, a Michael, the mother. Oh, I am the mother of Michael. That's what it says. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. So that's all. my 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 French is rusty there, guys. Hallelujah. But at least when I say my French, I don't mean cuss words. I actually mean my really French language. Anyways, uh, thanks for watching, guys. We love you, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Praise the Lord. I'm Bishop Joseph Castillo, and this is Living Proofs Podcast. I know you are blessed and encouraged, and I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He died for your sins so you don't have to die in that mucky mire of sin. He had lifted you up, shed his blood so you could be forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And all you need to do is open up the door and let the King of Glory come into your heart with the words of your lips. Repeat after me and God will start a new chapter in your life today. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now just as I am. I am a sinner born in sin. But God, you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.